0: Leafs podcast. They have won the Stanley Cup. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti.
1: Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza. Nick? We said we were going to record on the weekend, but I mean, not too bad, only a few days late. But I got to get your thoughts first. My Argentina beat your France.
0: I know. Well, we had a good excuse. I mean, we said we were going to do it this weekend. And then Saturday they played. And then Sunday morning, I mean, I woke up at like 7.30, which isn't that bad for me. but And then I went to Loose Moose. I don't know if you know where that is in Toronto. And I went to line up there and I was there at 8.55. So it actually opened at 9.30. And so I was like, okay, we're going to get there early. So me and a few friends, we, we got there early and it was just two of us. And then we get there at 8.55 thinking we're going to be the only ones there. Um, and it, there's like 10 people already in line. And by the time my, like some other guys came down, and it was like nine twenty. They were about to open. It the lineup was down the street. It was crazy. It was no. it was it was electric in there.
1: Yeah, it was, it was one of the best games I've seen. Like, I don't watch a ton of soccer, but It's a big sample size. Obviously, obviously, I was a big Argentina fan. I got on the bandwagon. I got on the messy bandwagon. But it was good. Like the first half kind of sucked, but after that, it was it was pretty good. But then I know we were we were planning on recording after that game, but it just. It was too intense of a game. I needed a breather and then football was on. It was it was too much screen time for the day. For sure. Fortunately, I think waiting kinda of helped because we got a trade out of it and we also got you know, we got to see a, a Leafs win last night, a little bit more of a positive note around the team rather than going on Sunday. Uh let's start let's start with the with the Malgan trade. I know it's a big trade for you. I'm sure you had like a Dennis Malligan tattoo I know. or something. let was... let's let's Start with your uh, thoughts here, and and maybe hear some. Yeah, hard I had
0: to go to Loose Moose after uh, the Maligan trade, but there's a huge <laughs> line just waiting to hear all the uh, all the banter after that one. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, I was definitely a little surprised. I mean, I don't think this is like a earth shattering trade. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Dennis Maligan's closer to the bottom of the lineup than he is to the top six. But I think just the timing of it. I mean, I do know that Kelly Yarn is coming back. Um, so he's already got that top six spot with Tavares and Marner there, but um, they kind of need like some depth scoring right now. I know that they're getting pretty good kind of rate production from Pontus Holmberg right now. David Camp's actually not having a bad year offensively by his standards, but I did think that Malgin kind of added a different element in that bottom six. I mean they already have Zach Aston-Reese, David Camp, very good defensive players. Engvall's a good defensive player. Kerfoot's you know, capable defensively. So I did think that Malgin kind of gave them a little bit more creativity in the offensive zone. He was a good puck carrier. We saw when he went to the camp and Zach Aston Reese line, you know, they they really their numbers started to kind of rise because of Malgin because he was helping them up the ice. So you know, like I said, it's not really a you know an earth shattering trade. Um losing Malgin's not you know it's not a huge mistake, but You know, I'm just not surprised that Colorado's the team that wanted him because, you know, you look at his shot production, he's actually second right now, Kevin, in shots per 60 on the Leafs, um, only behind Austin Matthews at 5-on-5. So Maligan was definitely generating a ton of chances. I'm just not surprised Colorado's the team that's taking a shot on, you know, a 25-year-old guy who has such a unique NHL track record who's shooting 4% at 5-on-5 right now. So, you know, I don't think that, the Leafs are necessarily going to, you know, lose the first round and say, well, we, we wish we had Malgin." But uh, it's just kind of an odd trade. But I guess we'll see with Dryden Hunt. What What did you think about it? Because I know you liked Malgin to a certain extent.
1: Yeah, I'll start with Malgin. I think, uh, as you said, at the start of the season, there's a camp Aston Reese with Obika Bell line, and they just really lacked transition skill. And the results were quite poor. Uh, I know I, for most of the season... I mean, Malcolm's only played 23 games, but I know at the start of the season he was leading the team in expected goals, which, uh, expected goals percentage, rather, and that's pretty impressive given that he was playing with camp uh, on a lot of defensive zone starts. Uh, With him, you know, the offense wasn't really there, just four points in 23 games. I know he's shooting the puck a lot. Uh, Maybe not always the most dangerous shots, but the shots were were nice nonetheless, I think the transition skill in the bottom six was uh, a nice thing to have and and really helped at times, I didn't like him at the top six at all. I just don't think he complimented, uh, you know, playmakers like Marner and Nylander. Uh, obviously, I don't think you'd want Milligan in the top six come playoff time. Uh, I think Yarker is a much better fit. But in terms of the bottom six, yeah, I thought he was fine there. Um, to me, it looks like they have two pretty good centers right now with with Kampf and Holmberg. They're both fairly similar, like how the defensively responsible. Um, and I do think that, you know, Kerfoot-Engvall, that line's look pretty good. Um, would he be a fit with Holmberg? Sure, but Keith just didn't seem to ever. I don't know if if Keith was, was ever in love with him. Like you remember his first stint with the Leafs mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago. You know, kind of went pointless in eight games. Never really uh, impressed Keith. It seemed like, and then did make the team. He had a good preseason, made the team, but uh, I I just maybe that like Joey Anderson. Um, I don't think I think Melgun was someone who was probably going to get pushed out of the lineup when they made deadline uh, acquisitions. But Hunt's interesting to me. Like, I know Malgan's shooting low. Um, Over the last three seasons, Hunt is actually last in the NHL. I forget. I think it's like a 1,000 minutes played. uh, Last in the NHL in PDO. So really low shooting percentage when he's on. Really low save percentage. Uh, He is kind of interesting in the sense that uh, his... I know his last year in junior, he was nominated for, like, the CHL Player of the Year. He had a ton of points. He lost to Mitch Marner. Um, So he's not necessarily without skill like you'd expect him to have at least some offensive talent i know everyone like all nhl players kind of rack up points in junior but hunt hunt was you know 58 goals 58 assists in 72 games with with the moose jaw warriors in his last year um he did score in the (laughs) nhl too like almost point per game a few times Uh, i think there's a little bit more offense there like that's not hard to say given how low the shooting percentage is how low his offensive production is but to me, he's someone who's going to compete with Aston Reese. Um, I know, you know, I posted that on on Twitter. I think some people expect Aston Reese and Hunt to maybe play together. To me, it's one or the other come playoff time. I think Aston hmm. Reese has been, he's been as advertised, but unfortunately with him, part of that advertisement is that he's very, very bland offensively. Like, he's just not really moving the dial much for me. He is playing boring hockey, but the Leafs are getting outscored in his minutes really just nothing to show for offensively for Aston Reese. I'm wondering if Hunt, a guy that, you know, looks okay defensively. We'll see how he does. He does provide some physicality, maybe a little bit more offense than Aston Reese. We'll see, but we'll give him a shot here and, and we'll see if, I do think he has at least a chance to make the playoff lineup. I think he was the guy that got in over Capo Caco last year in Caco when he got scratched. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do.
0: That's interesting. I haven't really thought about it being Aston Reese or Hunt. Um,
1: they both left too, right? Like, yeah. That's, it'd be hard to fit them both. That's what
0: I was kind of saying. And, and yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Abe Cabell thing because to me, like, they ditched Abe Cabell very early. Um, and right away, they put Malgan there. They, they kind of switched up the bottom six. And I like... I guess in the interim, like I wouldn't be surprised at one point if we see like a hunt zach Aston Reese Camp fourth line. I, I just don't see the transition skill. Like we've already seen it once. Um, I don't know how they're gonna move up the ice. I think Camp is a decent puck carrier, but he's definitely not a lead puck carrier in, in any stretch of the imagination. So I guess if, if it's either or, that could work. But I, I guess in the interim, like before they they get like another forward at the deadline or you know, someone to kind of bump everyone else down. Like, I, I guess my question is like, where does Hunt fit in? Um, I don't doubt that he's an NHL player. I just I just don't know if, you know, kind of adding more. I think you can never be have enough good players defensively. Um, but I, I guess my question also is just, you know, Kali Yarncrow right now in the top six. Like, who else are you going to try? Let's say Yarncrow goes a little bit quiet. I mean, after Kerfoot, like, who are you going to try? You're not going to put Camp up. You're probably not going to put Aston Reese up. Keefe has never really put Engvall up. And unless you try Holmberg or Hunt, like, that's who's left, or a Marley. So, I guess... Do you know
1: who's, who his primary line mate was last year? Dryden Hunt?
0: I yeah. do not know.
1: Artemi Tevinvin Hmm. Would not have guessed that. Uh, a lot of time with Ryan Reese as well. So, it was kind of like one extreme or the other. <laughs> I don't think. Sounds like Malgan. obviously I don't want. I don't want. <laughs> yeah, I don't want Hunt in the top six come playoff time for sure. But I don't know. Like, if if Yarncroft gets hurt, again, someone's gonna go up. It was Meligan getting that chance. Right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think. I do think it's one of the other. I mean, Aston Ree specifically. I, I wouldn't be. Obviously, we have a lot of games to go here. Like, I think it's just about fifty games left. A little bit under. Um, and you just look at you look at like you're gonna have some injuries you look at the forward depth right now i wouldn't surprise me if they played together and and you'll see how they do like who knows maybe it does work out maybe they're both you know they're both energy players make you know a lot of physicality a lot of hits we'll see if it works um since they're both on the left side i do think it'll be one or the other i know hunt isn't playing tomorrow recording wednesday night he's not going to play tomorrow against philadelphia but he did practice on the fourth line today with Holmberg and Anderson. That's where I'm guessing he is going to play. Aston Reese was not in a regular jersey. He was in the, typically the scratch jersey. Uh, I don't know if they just did that to get Hunt to practice in, but I do think that that's probably the lineup um, for his first game is he'll probably play with Holmberg and, and Anderson. So I think it like when I look at Aston Reese, you know, four points in 31 games, you don't need a ton from him offensively given his defensive game, but you do need something. And you look at how they've lost in the playoffs the last couple years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Aston Reese has kind of has a long track record of not scoring. Um, and I do think that Hunt, even though the numbers aren't really there, I think he's actually, his 5-on-5 five five scoring is actually, I think, a little bit lower than Aston Reese in his career. But, you know, if the, P, if the shooting percentage comes up, if there's a little bit more PDO luck, if he's not playing with Ryan Reeves, uh, I do think that he, he's probably a little bit more talented than Aston Reese, given the AHL scoring, given the, the junior scoring. But we'll see. Like, There's a chance this is a wash. There's a chance that Hunt's on waivers. Um, remember Ryan Dezingle last year? That didn't really last yeah. long. So we'll see where it takes us. I do think it's one or the other, though. Like, If they have Hunt and Aston Reese on the same line come playoff time, maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe they'll outperform my expectations. But my guess is that that's not going to cut it in terms of scoring depth.
0: Yeah, because I, I do yeah, I agree actually. Like I now that I'm thinking about it being one or the other, I think that's fine. Um this the the, the biggest thing is is that when you look at the Tampa series last year, they actually did get decent depth scoring. Like Mikheyev and Engval were actually quite good, especially in the middle of the series. Um Camp got those two goals, I think it was game three uh that he scored. Like I think Mikhaev and yeah. Engval
1: just had the empty net goals though. If I recall.
0: I can't remember off the top of my head. Camp did have goals. We know we remember his goals. games. Yeah. Blackwell scored. Uh I know Spezza had a pretty decent series offensively. So like they had good depth scoring, but again, like it was it was such a coin flip and it was so close against a great Tampa team. Looks like they're gonna have to play him again. So, you know, like we've seen obviously the top four showed up last year in terms of um the playoffs, but like we've seen the top four kind of go quiet in the Montreal series, in the Columbus series. So it just feels like I, I don't want them to go the route of s- this year saying, well, we're going to go all defense in the bottom six and kind of hope that our bottom, our top six outscores their top six. Um, so I guess we'll see. I mean, in isolation, do I love this trade? I, I would say I'm kind of indifferent to it. Um, but, you know, trades shouldn't be judged in isolation. We'll see what they do for the rest of the year. Um, and then we'll kind of take it from there. but And we haven't even seen Dryden Hunt play yet, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think the bottom six lock like, Spets only had one point last year's playoffs. Blackwell had a goal and an assist.
0: Maybe I'm thinking Montreal, though, when it comes to Spetsa.
1: Yeah, Spetsa's done well in the playoffs before, but uh, last year, just obviously, it was Vasilevsky, so you weren't expecting a ton of scoring, but it has been a problem kind of a few years in a row. And then obviously, you'll remember who played game one when they went Clifford Simmons, and then <laughs> I think they went Simmons yeah. again a couple of times. Uh, yeah, Clifford recall. didn't
0: play game two, but Simmons, I think, played game two and then didn't play for the rest of the series. Yeah,
1: so they haven't really had a three... like I remember the early years when they had Kadri. like They had three legit scoring lines, and they haven't really got back to that. So I think that is something I'm looking at for the deadline. I've actually liked the Kerfoot-Engvall camp line. I know Kerfoot and Engvall are the most popular players in the world. Obviously, if you really needed the cap space, you can move a guy like Kerfoot uh, if, if it makes sense, but... I do think that line's been good defensively. Both Kerfoot and Engvall are good in transition. So while they're both responsible defensively, they, they're actually able to get in the offensive zone, establish a cycle. They don't often do a ton with the cycle. like It doesn't often lead to high danger chances. You don't have like Mitch Marner playmaking skills to set someone up in the slot, but they do waste time. Uh, Engval's defensive numbers in particular are really strong this year. It seems like whatever line Engvall's on in the bottom six works, and then the other line's been kind of hit and miss. So we'll see if Hunts can be an interesting player. Like, maybe he's an upgrade on Aston Reese. Maybe he's the guy that, you know, you do want, ideally, a little bit of physicality in the lineup without some sacrificing defensive play. But the next thing I did want to get to, Nick, is the defensive play. Obviously, we we didn't have the best week uh, in terms of win-loss. I think we we I think we said four points tw- mm-hmm. as of Saturday, and, and they fell short with back-to-back regulation losses after a month without one, but the the game against Tampa last night was, was impressive, particularly from a defensive standpoint where they held Tampa to just one goal, just 19 shots, and it, I actually think it was better than 19 shots sounds because the first period it was four shots, the second period it was four shots, and in the third period when the Leafs had a lead, Tampa got 11 shots. So a really impressive Effort where you have eight shots through two periods, Leafs are up twenty nine to eight in shots after two periods, just four lines playing wicked defense. Obviously, the they didn't have Rasmus Sandine for some time. They still weren't really all that impacted. What do you make of this team right now? I know it was a bit of a up and down week, but you got to be happy with that defensive effort, no?
0: Hundred percent. I mean, even the the games that uh, the Washington one was kind of a bit of a dud. Like I didn't think Samsonov played very well, but they've just been really really good defensively and and I know that we were talking about in the summer where we looked at the team and they finished in the top seven last year in expected goals against per 60 at five on five and that's a pretty good metric in terms of you know saying how good a team is defensively and we said well on paper they look even better defensively this year and so far this year they are actually kind of in that top seven again but the biggest difference is that their goaltending has been really good. They're second place right now to only Boston uh, in terms of goals against per 60. So, you know, they're doing it right now. Now that Brody's back, they're looking good. Um, you know, I, I really like Timmins actually. Like, how he's played, despite kind of, you know, he, he had a kind of rough first two games, but he's been pretty good. So, defensively, there's, there's really nothing you can say that's bad right now about this team. They're They're really putting it together, especially with efforts like, last night against a very good Tampa team so you know I think it's it's almost something that I know that the Leafs defense kind of gets ragged ragged on especially kind of people outside the market but you know that you look at the year the um the COVID year when they played Columbus like they were a pretty good defensive team that year last year they were really good defensively and then this year again like their five-on-five defense has been kind of a bright spot. So has been the bright spot actually of this year, other than goaltending. So, I mean, I think at this point, like, like the Sheldon Keefe Leafs, we can kind of just expect to be a good defensive team. But th- this year, they're kind of outdoing themselves considering the injuries and everything.
1: Yeah, a strong, a strong defense last year, as you mentioned. You have guys like Sandy Lilligren getting another year of experience, looking like. You know, they both, Green in particular, I think is like a legit top four defenseman. Like no questions asked. Sandine I'm still up and down about in terms of skating, but he's been playing extremely well. Hopefully he's, he's not too seriously hurt. Um, I think as you said with Timmons, like he looks like an upgrade over over Ben. I think he looks like a, a good seventh defenseman, maybe even a six. Um, I don't know if I really see him as a top four guy, but you know, he got him pretty much free. Uh, nice little acquisition. Often at the deadline, you're spending a lot to get you know those de- depth defensemen. Nice to kind of jump the market and, and get your guy early. Uh, and then in, in terms of the ads they made this offseason, whether it was Ashton Reese, whether it was Obi Cabell, even though that didn't work out, um, you a guy like Callie Yarncrow comes to mind as well. You look at the, the, the forwards they're adding and the forwards they were subtracting. I mean, Mikhaev was good defensively, but... Blackwell at center was a bit iffy defensively. Spezzo is a little bit on the older side. Um, You know, somewhat cutting bait with Wayne Simmons. You did upgrade defensively pretty significantly there. And I I think, as you alluded to, like this team looked good on on paper defensively. And although the expected goals aren't as good as the goals against, uh, that's a nice thing to have too, right? Like last year, the expected goals against were nice. Goals against, not so much because of the goaltenders. And Tweeted this out last night. Nick Murray and Samsonov this year, twenty five games, a nine twenty seven save percentage, and then Campbell and Mrazic, one more game played at twenty six, and it's an eight seventy four. So nine twenty seven to eight seventy four. It's a pretty big, uh, pretty big drop off, and I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty happy that they they decided to make the switch rather than re signing Campbell and running it back another year.
0: Yeah, those Edmonton games are uh, they're fun watches, but Campbell has has hardly played actually in the past month, so. The uh, the games are not as fun right now without Campbell, but I don't know. It's it's tough to watch sometimes. Like <laughs> I think Campbell's probably missing uh, Toronto's defense right now because Edmonton is tough to watch.
1: Yeah, even last night uh, the Tampa game. You know they made Murray's life pretty easy. He saved eighteen and nineteen, so obviously you see like the nine forty seven save percentage looks great. I'm not gonna take anything away from him. I mean eighteen and nineteen is great, but. They only took... I think Tampa was only on the power play twice, and the Leafs did a pretty good job of, of limiting the, the high danger chances. So it seems like night after night, it's it's a bit of a... I mean, we had a bit of a break from it there. I know Marie struggled maybe like a week ago. Um, Samsonov struggled, I think, in his last game against Washington there. We've had some nights off, but for the most part, most nights, it's, it's strong defense, capable goaltending, if not good goaltending, and... Very low five on five goals against. It feels like you have to be on the power play to score against the Leafs if you're going to get two, three goals most nights. And uh, they at least don't take too many, pa- you know, they're a pretty disciplined team. They're not taking too many penalties. So, so far the recipe's working. I do think that's the recipe to beat Tampa. Uh, it's going to be tough to beat Vasilevsky five times or four times. It's going to be very difficult to score, you know, to win four, three without an empty net goal. So, I do think that you do have to play that type of defense try to score two, maybe three, and try to win three, two, or two, one. So I do want, I mean, maybe this will segue us to, to the deadline conversation, uh, but I do want to add a little bit more scoring. I think forward definitely has to be the priority of our defense right now. I know we mentioned this last podcast. Chikrin is one guy i at least look at because I think he's pretty pretty darn good. But uh, the forward's neck, I, I told everyone to watch Henrique. He gets hurt like 12 seconds in. I don't know. Maybe I just. <laughs>
0: right now i i dubbed that game the adam henry game and then i actually didn't start watching the game until like five minutes in and you texted me you said that was quick and 100 percent i was like this guy already scored yeah and when i saw what happened i said okay
1: i think he came back Some
0: confirmation bias I think he came
1: back for the second but like the game was already over he's probably like missing teeth i forget what i think he got a puck to the face um yeah so i don't know it was tough to judge him because the game was like out of hand before it got started it felt but uh yeah he's interesting um i'm i'm really interested to see who they they go after but i know one name that's kind of gone around since we last recorded is ryan o'reilly saw some arguments on twitter whether people think it's a good fit or you know they don't want him given that his position is a center and what it would cost where do you stand on the o'reilly front
0: depends on the price i mean I think I'd still want to watch St. Louis to see if they're going to get into the playoffs. Um, but I think he's a great player. I mean, he's good defensively. Um, I think he's better offensively than people give credit for. He's, I guess, it really just comes down to the price for me. I mean, he's a, he's an amazing player. He would definitely add to them. I like the fact that he can play center. He can play left wing. Um, I think he's having a little bit of a down year in terms of his actual production. I think it was pretty close to point per game last year, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, like in terms of the actual player, I've got no complaints. I think he'll be fine in this in the Leafs system. Um, and I saw one person compare it to Foligno. Um I don't, I don't really see that comparison. But um, you know, obviously hope O'Reilly doesn't get hurt like Felino did last year when he came to the Leafs. But um, I think O'Reilly's in kind of a different echelon of of Foligno even at this point in his career so to me it just depends on how much you're giving up um, I guess we can play you know the the who would say no or if I would do the deal with a, a, I'm sure you have a few packages in your head but um, I think he's a great player like it really just depends on how much they have to give up for him and as long as he doesn't go to Boston.
1: Yeah, I I think it's a first plus, right? Like, the first is kind of the minimum, and then there's going to be another pretty good asset. Like, I wouldn't surprise me if it's a first and a second. It might even be a first, second, and another minor asset. Um, I I didn't realize how low his production was this year, where he just has, I think it's 15 points in 32 games. But, I mean, he's only 31. He's got a pretty long track record. Um, I don't know if I'm overly concerned with... I mean, he's more of a playmaker. Maybe guys just aren't finishing... Uh, obviously, he's he's known for his defensive play. I remember he was available the same year Tavares was a free agent, and obviously that worked out pretty well for the Blues. I don't think the Sabres are going to trade him to Toronto, anyways. But uh, obviously, a very good player. He's also Bo-, Bo Horvat that you could throw in the same conversation as a top six center that could either you know push Tavares to the wing or play wing themselves, or you know be a very very strong third line center. I'm actually off like. I, I I don't know if I'm in love with the rental route. I think I'd rather get guy with term and pay a little bit extra. That's typically my preference. If you can get someone with maybe three years of term or even two years of term that's just slightly worse, I'd rather do that. Upgrade the team next year. Um but in terms of fit, like if we ignore price, like absolutely. Uh, I give up a first for them pretty easily. It's just it's gonna take more than a first. I think there's gonna be a ton of teams that would give up a first for an O'Reilly or an Horvat. But in terms of like the third line I, I saw someone argue on Twitter, like they're not gonna acquire him to be a third line center. I completely disagree with that because if you look at five on five Ice time, David Who cares at that point. David Camp's one minute a game on five on five Ice time less than Tavares. So yeah. you bump Camp down to like pure defensive zone star, it's kind of what he is now. Um, you know, it would be tough because I would rather go three lines. Like I actually don't mind Yaron Croak with Tavares and Marner. Obviously, it's a little bit early to kind of declare the playoff lines, but it's nice to have the flexibility. It's nice to, like, that's why I like Henrique too, is because, you know, you can make him a third line center, and then if if the second line's not working or if there's an injury in the top six, he moves up, right? Like, right now, if Michael Bunting goes down, I have no idea who's playing first line left wing. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: uh, The left wing is definitely a, a pretty big concern right now.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't bank on Nyes either. Like, I know we. You know, the hype's cool. I like watching him as a prospect, but it's a big jump to the NHL, and and you really don't know what you're going to get until you see it. Like, you know, remember when Nick Robertson played first, like in the Columbus series? That was years ago. Mm-hmm. You think by now he'd be a 30 goal scorer, and that hasn't really worked out. So I guess we'll wait and see what Nyes is. I wouldn't pencil him in for a top six spot. I know that at least want to, like, show that he'll have a role. Uh, but you know you don't have to roll out the red carpet for this guy like I, I do think that having the flexibility is nice maybe you, if you have a guy like O'Reilly or, or Horvat if, if nice comes you play him in the top six give him a shot if it doesn't work you know how's Yarncroke doing If that's not working either then you move him up but it would be pretty it would be nice to have the three lines that are that are firing because a lot of these good teams whether it's Tampa Boston they have shut down lines and shut down pairings right like Matthews is going to get a lot of McAvoy or or Lindholm. You're going to get one of those two pairings. Tavares is going to get the other one. And then if you look at Tampa, they have Hedman on one pairing. Um, Sometimes Sir with him. Sometimes he's not. You have Sergachev. He's a pretty good shutdown defender too. If you have that third line that can attack the third, you know, third lines and third defense pairings, I think that's a good way to generate offense. And we haven't really had that uh, in the last few years. I mean, with Spezza and his, I won't say Spetz's prime, but Spets' earlier years with Toronto, he he was kind of that bottom six threat that really racked up points at five on five. I don't know if we've had that since, like in, since last year, basically like last year and this year, I haven't really seen it as much. It'd be nice to kind of have that third scoring line because right now it is very top six, bottom six for the Leafs. So it would be nice to bridge that gap just a little
0: bit. For sure, like I, honestly, with with Keith, like ever since he took over, I haven't really worried about. Balancing the lines because I think with Babcock, like he didn't really line juggle throughout the game as much as I think Keefe does. So I would like to see O'Reilly. Obviously, again, this is very early, but if they did get Horvat or O'Reilly, it'd be cool to see them on the third line, like playing third line center. And then, like, even we see Keefe all the time, like after power plays, do a super line, or the other day we saw. Um, the Leafs were pinning in the other team for a while so he put out Tavares, Matthews and Marner it was like a, a a mid But those are top a six. Those change. are top
1: six though. Like the bottom six is No kind what of I'm its saying own. is putting in Oh yeah. what I'm
0: saying is like offensive zone start like putting out O'Reilly with Tavares and Marner for example. Yeah. Like I, I'm not really concerned about the ice time like I think like O'Reilly's going to get his shifts where he where he's going to be playing best. I'm not too concerned about that so and They'll try out some different things. So I think if it was like a first and a second and like a minor prospect, I would do that hundred percent, even though, even though that he's a rental. So I think he's just such a good player, even at this point in his career, I saw some people say he's fallen off, you know, since being 27, 28, I just think the blues have been pretty bad this year. So I would like to see him with a team as good as Toronto. Yeah, him or,
1: or Horvat. I mean, really, the problem is price. Uh, for me, if you're giving up a first and a second plus, because it's probably what's going to be, I, I'd like guy with term. It's a little bit worse. But did you see my uh, Carter Hagee tweet by chance?
0: I did not. Oh. Now, I want to say quickly about Horvat. The problem with Horvat is that we don't know what Vancouver is doing. Like Vancouver might be in on O'Reilly. That's uh, Toronto's yeah. Toronto's biggest. It uh, sounds like I they're don't know. Trading him Who knows what point. they're doing? I don't know. They they just seem every week seems like it's something different with that organization right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he does get traded, it's going to be a haul though, and it's the Leafs don't really have a chance to re-sign either player, right? Like, I, I it's really hard to see a path where Horvat or O'Reilly would would re-sign. Um, I'd, I'd be shocked if they could kind of find something. I just don't know where the money would come. Um. Maybe it's a
0: hometown discount for Riley. For sure, a hometown discount
1: <laughs> and the Muzzin. I guess you get, get out of the Muzzin deal, but man, that's that'd be tough to fit. Um, so that's that's why like I've been looking at players. I as I've said, I've been looking at players with term. Um, typically players under five million. Um, you know, because Kerfut's at three point five, with Muzzin going. You know, you upgrade on Kerfit a little bit in terms of cap hit. You're around four, four point five. You have the The cap's going to go up at least a little bit, you'd expect. Um, So there's a a few players, right? Like Connor Garland's a guy I've I've talked about for quite a while. Um, I think he's 4.8 or 4.9. There's Pavel Buchnevich, who who plays with O'Reilly. He's got a few years left, but he's like 5.8. It's hard to fit. Um, And and if you're going to pay for retention, then you're kind of looking at probably a year or two rather than a guy with like three, four years of term. So that makes it a little bit more complicated. Nino Niederreiter scored again tonight. Guys, I think, leading the Preds in goals this year. Uh, I do think he's a good fit. I think he's an even four this year and next. As you said, like St. Louis, you kind of have to see what happens with Nashville, if they make a playoff push or if they're out of it. Um, but the other guy I talked about was Carter Verhage. And he's not really a fit. Like I don't think Florida wants to move him. He's got three years left, just over $4 million, But he's kind of the perfect fit. And he's a player who, if you look at his RAPM charts, like he breaks the charts offensively. Um, he has spent quite a bit of time with Barkov, which is a bit concerning, like you know, who's who's stirring the drink there. But for Higgies, grades out wicked, like on the four check, he's not overly small, he produced in the playoffs, you know, he'd be a great F one with and on either of the top six lines. I do you think he's better than Bunting. Um I don't think that he's necessarily available, but you look at florida and they they need they have a need for defense right like they traded Mackenzie weager very weak on defense this year and i was just wondering like they don't have first round picks um and the, the poll i put out was would you rather have for the same price would you rather have jacob Chickren or carter verhage both three years left uh Chikrin's cap hit is a little bit higher i think it's 4.6 versus 4.15 or something like that um it was kind of an interesting poll because you look at the Leafs' needs. I think they need forwards. I do think Chikrin has a little bit more upside, a little bit more injury prone, but I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot here. Like, Are they fairly close to you, or would you rather have Chikrin?
0: Um I think if you asked me and I wasn't thinking about the Leafs' roster, it'd be a pretty easy Chikrin for me. Uh, I like the age. I think that contract's probably one of the best in the league. I just think he's a good player. Um, I think
1: Verhegge's pretty. Like, the the poll results were 40% Chikrin. Thirty nine percent Carter Hagee. So Chicron won by one yeah, percent. I
0: think it's decently close. I mean like I I like Verhage and Marley's legend, obviously. I think he played like under five games for the Marleys. But um I would take Chicron, but when I when I think about the Leafs in general, I mean obviously there's a sign to the Riley deal. He's on a no move clause right now. Um that maybe changes things, and I just think about the Leafs needs right now. So I'd probably go Verhagee for the Leafs, but I think overall, I like Chikrin as a just as an asset better. Yeah, he played because of that contract, and well, he's they just good.
1: They have the similar contract, three years.
0: Um, yeah, but Chikrin's twenty four. So, yeah, I mean, not a huge difference. What's for 27, no. 28?
1: Yeah, Chikrin you could resign. I mean, yeah, for he's going to be he's twenty seven. So yeah, so you have 27, to 20, I mean, 29 Chick- You let him walk, but you look at his some of his fancy stats. They're through the roof. Like, holy, is that guy great at will? Uh, I think I think just the the skill set wise it would be phenomenal like his forechecking ability would be kind of Hyman like um he's got a pretty good shot left wing can maybe drive his own line on the third line he could probably play off Matthews and and Tavares uh, but then again like in this again big hype. I'm just because because he's not available um you don't really think of guys like this but then I was just thinking like whether you did a three-way trade where Chickwin rent to Florida, Verhage comes to Toronto, Picks go to Arizona, or whether you did, you know, Chickwin's going to cost you first. it sounds like, or something close to that. If you threw a big offer at a guy like Chickman, sorry, at a guy like Verhage, I'd be interested to see what the Panthers would say because he's not available, but if you throw two first-round picks at him, maybe he becomes available. I don't think Chicago was dying to trade Brendan Hagel last year but someone yeah. throws two first round picks all of a sudden sure we'll talk so I'm just I'm just th- throwing his name out there as a guy I'm interested in given his skill set and his cost because I think it's a perfect fit uh Nino Niederreiter is another player as I mentioned he'd be a pretty sweet fit in the top six too like the way he's scoring his defensive game um he is a little bit Felino like but I, I do like like he's more in his prime than Fellino was he's also grades out a little bit more, better in terms of the fancy stats and He's also uh, two years rather than just a rental, so that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm interested whether it's Henrique, whether it's uh, They the Leafs really seem to like good defensive forwards, and I don't know if I'm in love with like Patrick Kane, for example, and what that'll cost, so I'm, I'm focused on more of the two-way guys that do have some offense, because I do want ideally three scoring lines, that's my, that's my hope.
0: I think when you look at the track record of the Leafs, like, if they get these offensive guys they virtually see are these guys going to break out and if they don't then they kind of just depart ways with them like you look at Gelchenyak like i don't think they were looking to resign him after that um, same thing with Malgan. like i think they were just looking for a pretty good breakout whether that'd be like 0.5 points per game or or higher than that and then i mean they clearly departed ways so i don't expect them to get kind of an offense only guy um especially one like Patrick Kane well, the, cost costs so is, yeah, the cost so much yeah great. yeah and the cost is so much so I guess we'll see I mean I think there's enough like Nino Niederreiter is pretty good defensively obviously Ryan O'Reilly um we'll see I think they definitely need to get a forward though like I'm just hoping that there's no more injuries on defense and they kind of are forced to get a defenseman like they were last year so we'll see I mean I just want that to be their number one priority like it's just nice, though. Like, I look at Tampa, and you look at that trade with Hagel, and when it first happened, myself included, I was saying, well, that, that seems like an overpay. But now, when you think about how well Tampa drafts, I mean, they're getting guys in the second, third, fourth round that could potentially, like, they're they're very much overdrafting. And you look at the Leafs, it seems like they're doing the same thing. So, you know, when you're competing, you kind of have to make these big deals. So, we'll see. Like, I think if it was a first and second plus like uh i don't know like a tie void i would take that for o'reilly all day yeah i think
1: um, i think with tampa it's not just how they draft it's like those picks are late first right like mm-hmm. it's not quite the nba version of late first where they're pretty much worthless but they, they obviously have value you can get a guy like Sandine in the late first if you if you draft well but you look at a lot of late first draft picks <laughs> they do not turn out it's not it is not the same as like a top 15, top 20 pick when you're Tampa or Toronto. So I, I do think that too with Hagel, because I find a lot of fans when they think of trades, they think of like an EA sports trade where it's like, okay, Patrick Kane is a 92 overall and someone like Carter Verhege is like an 85 overall, just for example. Um, but then you have to think about contract. You need to think about term, right? It's not just player ability. And I think with Hagel, because the contract is 1.5 and it was three years, uh, I think three years, and then he was an RFA, if I recall. Um, that way, when Tampa goes in the off season, they only have, like let's say he's a $4 million player, they have him for 1.5. They just have t- two and a half more of cap space to spend, right? So it does make a big difference, every dollar of cap space or every million you can get of, of extra cap space, because that's what's going to turn... That's what's going to give you the ability to go out and sign those mid-tier free agents, whether it's a guy like Niederreiter at four. You know, I remember when the Leafs traded Cap and it freed up enough money to to sign a guy like TJ Brody. Every million counts, and I think that that's where there's a bit of a disconnect in terms of trade value. Is I find that you know the players who are good but on iffy contracts, maybe not bad contracts, but just not a lot of surplus value. Uh, I find those players end up getting a little bit overrated and the players on bargain deals get a little bit underrated just on, on Twitter.com for example. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, uh, that's why I'm more of the term route is, you know, helps you kind of down the line helps you now, but I don't know if that is going to be available. We'll, we'll have to see.
0: Yeah. I think definitely the, the, the price you give them like a Brandon Hagel. I mean, that obviously makes a big difference. I think, I think it's funny though. Like, it, like I'm going to put you on the spot. Like, who would you say are the best five franchises in terms of drafting right now?
1: Um, I mean, Toronto. This f- over, let's
0: say the last like five years. Toronto's say. done
1: pretty well as of late. Um, okay. I'd say New Jersey. Like New Jersey, they got a, a loaded system. Although they've had early picks, it's it's tough because like I'm, I'm gonna think of all the teams with early picks. Carolina seems to be a team that gets a ton of value. Like for a good team, okay. they just have every prospect at the World Juniors, like...
0: So it sounds like we got Carolina, Toronto. I don't know if Jersey's... Do you, you yeah. want to have Jersey in the top five? Okay. Yeah. Jersey? Jersey in the top five. Who who else is there? Um, I, I, I've got a very clear top, like, last two there in my head. All right, let's
1: hear them because I've... I'm not, Tampa,
0: easily, like, I think they've had some rough drafts maybe in, like, by their standards in the past two, three years, but, like... You look at their 2016, 2017, they're absolutely money drafts. Um, and then the last one, I think Colorado, like I think for value, I think they've had some pretty good drafts. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. That's To me to me I've, my my point is is that I think it's it's interesting because I think for the I don't know, maybe the first time in a while, kind of the best teams in the NHL right now also seem to just get very good value out of their draft picks um so like when you talk about the lace first usually the late first because those teams like colorado tampa toronto have been trading their first round picks in the past couple years it's usually the teams that just don't really draft very well um so that's why like those first round picks don't really turn out to be that great i would say but i don't know just something i've kind of noticed i think the the best teams in the league right now are kind of also very good at developing players and just drafting in general i actually
1: think um buffalo has been pretty good in the last couple of years um, yeah buffalo has been good they've gotten a lot better minnesota i think they have bracket I think that's his name um i like their drafts dallas has to kind of remember dallas had one draft with high skin in it was 2017 high in yeah. robertson and jake were their first three picks and then they added some drafts they added another step amazing forward later that that's already in the nhl too so it's just the other one that I remember is uh I think it was Suban, Patchuretti and Ryan McDonough were the same draft.
0: I love looking like at old drafts. Like I look at like Tampa to me, like you look at you talk about late round drafts and just draft picks, sorry, and like picks after the first round. Tampa in twenty fourteen got the third we're kinda of going off off script here, but third round they get Braden Point in twenty fourteen. Twenty fifteen they get third round Anthony Sorelli. Fourth round, they get Matthew Joseph. Their second round pick that year was Mitchell Stevens, which they got a a ton out of. Then 2016, they get Kachuk in the second, Radish in the second, Ross Colton in the fourth. I mean, like these late round picks are are so important. He didn't have to
1: hype up Stevens. That was okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to put him in there.
0: 72 games out of him, we'll take it.
1: Um, I guess just some odds and ends here. Then I want to quickly talk about baseball for like two minutes. Uh, I want to know if you're, if you're in on the news, but um, I'm definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. We'll see. We'll see. Um, a couple of things I've noticed. I think Lilligreen was one guy I wanted to shout out. Just if you look at just this year and last, cause really, I mean, he played a few games before last season, but last year was really his rookie year. I think he's like ninth among defensemen in goal differential, like uh, as a percentage. And then, I think he's third behind Grizzlik and McEvoy in terms of expected goal percentage. So top 10 in both. Uh, obviously, I mean, he played, he played 21 minutes last night. He just looks phenomenal. Like, great transition defender. Moves the puck well. I know he's on the power play, um, but he's got a great shot. He could easily be on a second power play unit. And I just love that guy on 5 Like, I'm very, very impressed with him. And then Holmberg. Holmberg continues to look like an NHL player. Um, which is nice oh, for sure. because the center we haven't the Leafs haven't always had a, a, a good fourth line center, right? Like even Blackwell last last year, like I like Blackwell even though he's he's doing nothing with the Blackhawks it seems, but I I think he's a winger like that's that's how I same with Spezza, I prefer Spezza on the wing, and we haven't the Leafs haven't always had the fourth line center that's that's been able to kind of make you feel safe like if, if we're assuming camp's the third third line center um so i think he's been a, a very impressive guy he looks like someone who could step up to the third line if, if camp got hurt or something um so yeah so 1st so good. those are the two guys i wanted to shout out anyone you want to shout out or are you ready for some baseball
0: uh i'll see i, I want to actually add on to holmberg okay. like when i look at him and you know, Keefe always talks about how smart he is, and I think it's pretty easy to see how like, smart. Even
1: I'm smart. Homeberg is. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Well, I don't know if Keefe would say that about himself, but he, he's pretty smart too. Uh, but Homeberg, I mean, one thing that I think is kind of getting underrated right now is how well he's producing offensively. Like when I sorted out, so it's funny because I, w- I was sorting out earlier in the week. Points per um, six. Five on five points per 60 and then i'd have um the cutoff at 100 minutes so Connor Timmins actually just qualified for that i think probably in the last game so he's actually the king of points per 60 right now but like you look at holmberg he's sixth in point total points per 60 only behind Timmins, which who, who's kind of racking up some second assists but shout out to Connor Timmins as well matthews nylander marner bunting holmberg first assist it's Matthews, Timmins, Bunting, Holmberg. Total assists, Holmberg's first, and Golds, He's kind of hasn't really been scoring too much, but like Holmberg's just been so good. He's getting primary points right now, so I think he's just added so so much life to that bottom six. And I mean, he's been so good defensively. To me, he looks like an NHL player right now. Um, I think as the games have gone on, he's kind of expanded on his game. Like we've seen, we're seeing him beat defenders to the outside and kind of holding the puck and getting to the front of the net. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where he goes. I mean, he's only 23. I had a tweet that said that he kind of plays with the hockey IQ and like kind of like a, like a 33-year-old vet, but his game is growing game to game like a 23-year-old rookie, which he is. So I'm excited about him. Um, we'll see where he goes because obviously the Leafs have... Actually, I saw some some talk about people being scared about his contract this that year. I don't know if he's producing that much, but uh, I I mean that's my biggest shout-out is Pontus Holmberg. He's been excellent. Yeah, he has been good.
1: I think he was first in points per sixty like, few, like five days ago. It was a few days ago. Yeah. Down to sixth. Ago. He could. It's such a small sample. He could be down to like twelfth by the next time we record. But uh, he obviously so far so good. Looks like an NHL player night after night. Maybe not like a star or anything, but a guy that continues to earn trust, continues to earn minutes. But yeah. uh,
0: let's get to some. I guess, shout out to. Sorry, quickly before base, baseball. Yeah, you're we have delaying baseball this. here. Well, this is like for good reason. Shout out to Michael Bunting last night. I couldn't believe what happened with the linesman.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised he kept his composure, but he was good in the press. Yeah. Like, you don't want to rip the guy either, because then you're going to get. I feel like the refs are going to turn on you. And you'll get. Even though he did nothing wrong um but I thought he was was, I've never seen he he downplayed it in the press and I think that was uh I think that'll help yeah
0: well even even when it happened like um he kind of said like are you kidding me or like what are you doing and then he kind of looks away and says that that was crazy like it (laughs) it was so Michael Bunting to just like be very comfortable in like some sort of a scrum even with a linesman but he was getting under everyone's skin last night obviously he scored the first goal and uh that linesman thing I've I've never seen something like that. I, I, like, I don't even know. Have you ever seen something like that?
1: Well, I haven't, but I want to tell you about something else I haven't seen before, and that's the New York Mets. Have you? Do you know what's going on with the New York Mets?
0: I actually saw your tweet um, where it said you have to be kidding me, and I think you retweeted something where it was like how much money they've spent. That's 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 a league with no payroll right there. Yeah. Like, so there is no
1: a, throw, no cap. There is a tax, right? so the tax is getting there's like different levels of tax and they're like well past the first the furthest tax and steve cohen bought the team i want to say like three four years ago i don't know with the pandemic it's all a blur but this guy is just a built like there's rich owners and then there's really rich owners and he's a really rich owner and uh basically like three days ago all the talk was about the Mets and how much they were spending because it's like over four million. I don't think we've ever had a MLB's ever had a payroll over four million, and they're they just they just keep adding, right? Like they go out just when you think they're done, they go out and they get another reliever. They got Odovino. and then it looks like okay maybe they'll start cutting payroll now. Like they have some bad contracts they could try to trade out of. Obviously, with all the additions, they have guys that kind of don't have a spot anymore. It looks like they might cut their payroll at least a little bit. But Carlos Correa, who is the number two free agent, maybe number three, behind Aaron Judge, he had a huge $300-plus signing with the San Francisco Giants. They end up reneging because of the physical. I don't know what it was. No, it's not public yet. The, the agent just makes a call to Cohen, and the deal's done with the Mets, like, hours later. It's like the star player basically... Francisco Lindor is basically basically like I'd like to play with Correa and the Mets owner is like yep yeah, okay but it makes me think so the the tweet you probably saw was the Mets are at with tax an estimated 502 million in payroll and the Yankees are second at 310 so it's almost a 200 million dollar gap difference between first and second right now then you have like the Oakland A's who are going to be at like 45 million I'm going to guess um so it's gonna be 502 versus 45 those games it's gonna be interesting it's just it's crazy to see it's gonna drive up player costs it's it's honestly unbelievable but it makes you think like imagine the nhl without a cap like if, if
0: well before 2004
1: yeah well this is on steroids like yeah, yeah. imagine if they're just like not just not just the highest payroll but like like the, the nhl caps what 82 and a half and the Mets are at 502. Like, imagine if the Leafs were at, like, 200 million even. <laughs> or 150. Like, it, it would be yeah. I don't know.
0: I mean, there was... Um, before 2004, like, you look at that 2014. Like, the Leafs went to the uh, to the deadline. And they were already pretty stacked. Like, they already had Roberts, McGillney, Tucker, Sundin. And then they, they got both Brian Leach and Ron Francis. Like, obviously, they were kind of on their the end of their careers, but... That team was sick, and I wish there wasn't a cap in the in the NHL because uh, I think the Leafs would have probably McDavid and Matthews in a couple of years. That would be cool. That would be cool. But yeah, I think and, and it and Malgan.
1: I think <laughs> the Kevin Durant to Golden State trade is still like the. I kind of saw that one coming though. Like you kind of had rumors. I think LeBron to the, where, the the first time LeBron went to Miami, that was a, yeah. a huge one. But the Mets out of getting Correa is like a top five for me. Like out of, it was like, really? oh my goodness. Just the
0: amount. It's, it's that high. Well,
1: to see them 200 million over the Yankees, like you think of the Yankees, you think of the Dodgers, these teams that just spend like crazy. Uh, Yankees had 310 million. The Mets are already into the tax. So they're getting hit with these huge penalties. And they're going to have like over 100 million in just tax penalties next year it's
0: where is uh, where are the jays in this like in terms of payroll jays are probably the like middle of the pack fifth oh that's year. pretty high yeah this is the
1: highest they've ever been they're actually into the tax they're at 228 projected and they're gonna add a little bit more so i think they're in for like a couple of years and they'll probably have to rebuild at some point or maybe the spending will go down or maybe this this the revenue will be there and they'll continue i don't know this is unprecedented i can't say the word but uh, this is unusual circumstances for the Toronto Blue Jays, but yeah, they're still well, just looking at it. They're not even half of what the Mets are.
0: So, I mean, I'm not going to become a Mets fan. I still got to stay loyal to my, uh, my Blue Jays bandwagon when I join them next August.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll keep you, I'll keep you posted in August. We'll do a, a crash course. <laughs> I'll give you a PowerPoint presentation on August 1st will go yeah
0: i show up every year every every august i show up and then uh you got to educate me there perfect
1: so thanks everyone for listening next next uh, episode hopefully we have some hopefully have more trades or hopefully we have some uh world juniors to talk about even though there's not any really least prospects in it but we'll see what Connor bedard can do we can see what shane wright does uh thanks everyone for listening and we'll see everyone next week